This is Frank Costanza. What do you want? You think you can keep us out of Florida? We're moving in lock, stock, and barrel. We're going to be in a pool. We're going to be in a clubhouse. We're going to be all over that shuffleboard court. And I dare you to keep me out! Hey there, welcome to the League Life Podcast with Brooksy and Shanaz. I'm Shanaz, I'm here with Brooksy. We are also calling this the Lockdown Life Podcast. Brooksy, how are you going? Yes, Shanaz, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm pretty good. I'm feeling good. I'm actually a bit sore from a run yesterday, but mate, it was a big night of TV last night. Uh, weekend was good. Uh, worked on Fox League Live, worked with Maddie. Fletch and Heine on Sunday, which was great. Um, pretty loose show. Um, it was funny being in the in the chair for that one. Um, you just you just didn't know what was coming. Billy Moore was awesome. Um, Kev, we had Kevy, we had Gordy. It's been a good week. I've really enjoyed this week. Good weather still for May or whatever month it is. Do you know what month it is, Shaz? Yeah, we're in we're in May now. I, I have to say, your positivity is outstanding given we're in a pandemic. Oh, it's great, great, great schnapps. I, I love it. I'm enjoying it. I, it, I hate to say it, but I'm just, you know, really settling in. I, I don't know. I, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that, have, that are absolutely hating it for multiple reasons, but I, I, I can't get enough of this uh, lockdown life, particularly doing on the podcast with you, mate. I, I appreciate that. The people you talk about, what, no job, dying, that kind of thing. Yeah, they've got a lot to be uh, disappointed about, really. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. There is a lot of that. But um, yeah, I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying what I can. I'm positive. I'm just trying to be upbeat. I've, you know, working in the industry, Schnaz, it's hard to get three days off in a week, let alone in a row. So I'm trying to utilize it. I know that. I know that the time, you know, the NRL is only what? How? What? What's the date? Today? I think it's the, sixteen days away, my friend. Sixteen days away. I was trying to find the calendar here on my iMac because I just don't know what day of the month it is. And uh, yeah, so sixteen days away from NRL, nearly just over two weeks. Are you getting excited? I'm getting something. I don't know if "excited" is the word, but I'm getting something. <laughs> <laughs> Warm, fuzzy feeling? Like, what, what, what are you getting? Anticipation. Anticipation. Mm. So, you, have you been, um, have you got the binoculars out down at Willaware, just um, checking on your boys, seeing, what, seeing them go through the motions? Yeah, I do, actually. And there's a bit of a um, procedure there, like at every other club, where you, if you're not in the bubble, you pretty much are not supposed to be around. So, I'm uh, <laughs> back to the old bushes, shall we say. The bubble. I just can't. I can't stop thinking of the moops uh, uh, when everyone talks about the bubble. Now we should say this episode is dedicated to Jerry Stiller, and we will be doing a lovely piece yeah. on him later on in the episode. So stick around for that. We're not going to not do an episode and talk about the great Jerry Stiller, who unfortunately passed away uh, last night our time. So we will get to that, Brooksy. Yeah. Let's start with the National Rugby League. 
Um, yeah. We're still in the process of the jab or not jab, no jab, no play. We touched on that last week. We're not going to harp on it too much this week. Uh, we did see some people come out with very strong messages to the players who were refusing to do so, including my captain, Wade Graham. What did you think about what he said? I thought what Wade said was great leadership in this time, talking about how it is a team sport and they've got to do everything as a collective to get this season up and running. I thought it was, he came at it at a strong angle. As a leader of the players, he he hit everything that he needs to. Yes, it's an individual individual's right to whether or not they sh- they can take the jab but at the end of the day mate we need we need everyone on board we need everyone playing the game in order to the le- for the league to hit certain targets that they need to throughout the season and I thought um, how he articulated himself on the radio was was very good and he just shows that he's not only a leader within the Sharkies group but also in rugby league circles he's always been very impressive when he's been on Fox League and I've seen Channel 9 get him quite a bit. I know we've been at games, and uh, particularly when he was injured a couple of seasons ago. And he was always in demand when I was working those Sharkies games across both us and 9 and radio. Uh, he, he, it's amazing to think, you know, where he's come from and, mm-hmm. and how good a leader he is. I'm I, I just a big fan, and that's coming from a, a Dragons fan that um, – generally dislikes people in the blue, white, and black. But, mate, he's he's amazing. He's, you must be proud to have someone like that at your club, representing your club at that sort of level. Uh, yeah, personally speaking, I am. There's quite a bunch of the current squad who are um, in that category, in my opinion, both younger guys and older guys. And uh, Wado's definitely at the top of that heap. can't believe Penrith let him go. I'm not sure what that was about. Brooksy, uh, we didn't talk about this in the rundown, but some of the uh, the family members and friends of the anti-vaxxers on Instagram and social media are referring to themselves in, I don't know, in the categories of like Holocaust victims and victims of yeah. Chinese, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tiananmen Square incidents from yesteryear. <sighs> What's going oh, on? Yeah, man? Schnaz, it's it's clearly the same. Like the <laughs> comparisons are just uncanny, mate. I I know that's um, closer to you than it is to me in terms of that, but you can clearly cl- like the link between the two is dumbfounding, and I think it's very disrespectful. Um, if it is your own personal right, don't try and compare it to um, other things that have happened in history. Yeah, because it's not the same. It's not the same. It but also it Shaz also was, it also just like completely gets people off their way of thinking. If I was even halfway feeling sympathetic for them, which I'm not, well, it's it's a done deal now. You guys are morons. Sorry, go on, Brixie. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that it, if they they're more than welcome to go play individual sports. Like I think that's the thing, um, and they should do that. Like. Mm. Unfortunately, rugby league. There's so many people around that team that relying on them to fulfil their role within the team. Like, I, I, I just and and for that comparison to come out, just I think just I don't know. Just, I lost a lot of respect for um, the people trying to post that sort of stuff to put put themselves in a position where oh they're you know they're being they're being 
they're being forced to do something that they don't want to do. But uh, Shnaz, sorry, just while we're talking about it, I've just been perusing the internet here uh, whilst we've been on, and there has been somewhat breaking news in the last hour on the Telegraph website. Okay. So I'm just going to read a few excerpts from this article. It appears Titans duo Bryce Cartwright and Brian Kelly will not be allowed to play this season as the Queensland Chief Health Officer stands firm on the no-jab-no-play policy. So Dr Jeanette Young said she's provided an exemption for NRL players who refuse to get vaccinated to be allowed to play only if they get vaccinated for medical if they can't get vaccinated for medical reasons. A philosophical reasoning was not a valid reason to reject the flu shot. So she said I sent a letter to the NRL yesterday in which I did exempt them from medical um, <laughs> contradictions no different from the exemptions. Sorry, I had to re read that word a couple of times. I was like, is it contradiction or contra Anyway, um, <laughs> no different from the exemptions I provide for children who are attending childcare or people who visit aged care facilities mm. so they have those same exemptions. If they've got medical reasons for not being vaccinated, they're allowed to play. They're very clear if they've had an anaphylactic reason, uh, reaction to a uh, previous flu vaccine or to any component of the flu vaccine, then you do not need to be vaccinated. I provided that exemption. Wow. Philosophical reasons are not covered. So that's a, that's a stern um, decision there from the chief medical officer from Queensland. So no cut, Cartwright, Kelly, not looking good for 2020. Is that... Yeah, is it what what what's your feelings of that? Like we just sort of touched on um, the personal side of things from their angle, but mm-hmm. let's look at it from a from a team coach fan perspective. Like, what's what's that? What's that do to your club? Like, what what happens there with um, Brian and Bryce? Like, do, well, are, are they coming back to the club? Can they can they come back and play for the Titans in twenty twenty one if they don't play in twenty twenty? Well, they can, but it depends again on what well, happens yeah. next year. There might there might be the same ruling. You might need a jab next year as well to play. Yeah, I mean March yeah, is, I March is going to come around pretty quick. It's we're we're in May now, shorter season. Who knows what what the state of the world will be like then? But uh, from what you're saying, the, he's going to need a new center. He's going to need a, a new back row or interchange player. And Bryce Cartwright yeah. takes up a lot of their salary cap. Who's going to miss those six tackles a game? Like that's the questions that Justin Holbrook's going to ask. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to I just, go there, but uh, yeah, yeah. But the, in in reading further in the article too, Shnaz, so it works the other way too. So if someone in New South Wales has rejected that shot, mm-hmm. they won't be able to play in Queensland. So uh, if there's anyone from south of the border and they schedule some games up in Queensland, they won't be able to play. So is there a chance the New South Wales government's going to do the same thing or what's going on there? Well, that, it's all state-driven, So, like, you know, this is Queensland, New South Wales. They can do different things depending on their circumstances. But you, I, I don't know. I Because there's some, some manly in- chaps that don't really want to get the jab either, for example, as well as whoever yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that if it, it, it's all determined on where you're playing. Uh, so yeah, if if New South Wales don't bring that in, then those those manly players will be able to play in New South Wales. But 
if there's a game on at Seabus or Suncorp, they won't be able to play. They'll have to sit that one out. What if the uh, what if yeah, the, what if the grand finals at Suncorp? Exactly. Well, <laughs> no jab, no play. No grand final. In- interesting DNP there for the player. That I, but that would be funny, wouldn't it? If your team made the finals and there was a game in Queensland and they get the jab, you know that's, you know that it's interesting. And I know it's not one hundred percent shows where they stand. And I'm sure like you want to do whatever you can to play at the pinnacle, but. Uh, you'd be like, oh, so when the times are right, you're going to be getting the jab. So I don't know. Like it's it's a tough one. I'm. Well, I mean, I mean, Cartwright's saying goodbye to a lot of money this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I like I honestly, I when Cartwright first came out, I liked what he provided for Penrith, and you saw him in the twenties, and you saw him as a really oh, yeah. cool talent. Yeah. Like I, I sort of saw him as like a Filetti Matteo, yeah. John Sutton sort of edge back rower that you know could, you know, got a got some good ball playing skills. As Laurie Daly would say, he was good with the football. Good, good with the football. Um, I, and I think... you need a player that's good with the football in your football team. But <laughs> he, I don't know. Like he got, went up to the Titans. I think it was part of Garth Brennan, um, you know, taking that role and. And bringing some players from Penrith like Liani Latu, uh, Mitch Rain, mm. and and Bryce Cartwright. I think he did a bit of a exodus up to Penrith, and yeah, he just hasn't performed. I I don't think it's a big loss for the Titans. I think no. Brian Kelly was a good a good addition. Like he's he's, he's a solid, solid centre. He's solid. Yeah. He scored a few tries from last year, but I think I think they um they're not missing much with those two guys and. Yeah, no. um, it would be interesting to see if it was like Jai Arrow and AJ Brimson or or one of those younger guys. But they get it; they're all they're all in with the Titans. And yeah, hey, it's two good opportunities for some young Queenslanders to get a get a role with the team. Hey, in in also, sorry, I just wanted to segue in nicely here, Schnaz. Did you see some photos of the great Anthony Don over the last uh, twenty four to forty eight hours? Um, Get, getting his masters. I only I read I read the he- I read the headline. I didn't see any photos. But how good is that? That was my first reaction because I quite like him as an as a footballer. I think he's he's one of those guys that just all heart, give you everything they've got. He's a cult hero, but he's obviously got a brain too, which I love. So Schnaz, he completed his uh, second university degree. Yeah, masters in business to go with his PE teaching degree. And the photo of him with the hat, with the with the ISO beard, it's got no, there's no fluency there with the beard. It's all over the place. He, he just, it's just the sign of the times. If you, well, I think we've already posted the photo to um, the Twitter, but we'll put it on our MySpace, Facebook, and um, other social media accounts so you can have a look. But yeah, he's just, it's blue sky. It's just a great shot, and he's the sort of leader that. You know, Anthony Don was playing in, um, in for Burley Bears last year. The Don, with his <laughs> double degree, is going to get an opportunity with Brian Kelly. I didn't in the I in didn't under, three quarters. I didn't understand him being relegated. To be honest, given what they were bringing up into first grade, I, I think he's a very solid first grader. Yeah, he's their all-time leading try scorer. Too. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very. He's got, a, he's got that's his. Th- Third degree in try school. This guy, <laughs> he's just, 
he's just accumulating masters all over the place. Uh, no, congratulations to him. It's great to see players yeah. utilizing their time off the field to venture into different uh, areas. And yeah, he can be a PE teacher. He can run a business. He can score tries. <laughs> he makes great suppressor salami as well. The guy, the guy's amazing. Brooksy, uh, we saw also, speaking of interstate rugby league teams, the Melbourne Storm, who you and I both quietly respect, oh. they uh, they were more or less kicked out of Albury or not allowed to play in Albury. What, what happened? <laughs> Something happened. No, no, so remember last week on the Podchnaz, we were like, how good is this? Tamworth's accepted the Warriors, like the Tamworth Warriors. We've got the Albury Storm. They're all good. <laughs> And then we get off air, yeah. and then Albury, the the town of Albury, have called a, a, a town meeting. I don't know in the in the gymnasium down on Second Street or wherever it was, uh, just near the Ocean Master. Uh, not too sure. And they're like, we don't want the storm playing on our fields. Mm. They had a vote, and it was voted against them because. You know what? Because the kids of Albury can't play on the fields. Why can the Mel- why can Cameron Smith and his dirty ISO beard play on our fields? Why can Cameron Munster, Josh Adokar, who else is there? Da- Dale Finucane, buddy uh, Matt Johns's son, Richard Swain, like, uh, Richard Swain, buddy Marcus By can't even play in Albury anymore. Shit. Yeah. But yeah, it was disappointing. I, you know, Albury showed their true, true colours, but it was ironically an AFL team, the Albury Tigers, that allowed them to train there. That's nice. Uh, which is great cross code um, relations. Yeah. Uh, you know, during this time where clearly the NRL has dominated the AFL off the field in terms of getting their league up and running, it was yeah. great to see the Tigers um, lend, get behind the storm, no pun intended. No punt um, intended. And kick a few goals off the field. <laughs> <laughs> and they're heading back to Melbourne, though, now, aren't they? Because they've been Back to, to Amy Park, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews, has um, okayed the Storm and other professional teams in the, in the AFL to resume training. Mm. So, yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne head back, and, which is great. We should get... Get familiar with their usual surroundings. Now, Brooksy, where what else has uh, been happening in the news? Oh, sorry, Schnaz, talking over you. That's a bit in, bit in, hard on the FaceTime. In the I news, see you in the rugby league news. Yeah, uh, well, what, the, what's the, excited the, you? I'm excited to see the draw. I'm, I've got an inkling. The draw. I've got a. <laughs> I'm a simple guy, Brooksy. I've got an inkling of what it's going to be. A uh, few little uh, hints here and there from people in the know. But, uh, How good's the Canadian boffins like um, sliding a little teaser for us? Giving, yeah. hey, we won't give you the full draw, but do you want to know who your team's playing twice? <laughs> Our mate Michael Shamwow Shamus has uh, got the five teams that you'll be playing twice well, this season. Well, TBC, but I, they must have got it wrong with the Sharkies because they've, they've picked Manly to play Manly twice. Well, there's four points gone. Come on. Oh, you guys, you guys have a bit of a. Yes. Bit of a tough, tough yes. draw against Manly. What, yes. what is it about the the rivalry of it? Look, Manly have the better beaches too. Schnapp, no, they is, don't. That oh, what are you talking about? Can you can you um, add a bit of a game deep sea marlin fishing fishing rod <laughs> no, noise like no. take, like taking the bait just a 
right there. Actually, I just did it. There. You did. They don't They don't have the better anything, actually. They've got a better history in a cultural Okay, what's, uh, your, what's, the best, what's the best beach down in the Shire? I'm a, I'm a wonder guy. I like wonder. What, because of the dunes? Oh, we've got a good dune system there. People run up the dunes. Is that what I, is that what I said? No. Oh, no, no. I'm just assuming because... It's a nice like, area. There's at, like, there's at least nine beaches on the northern beaches that are better than Wanda. No. Do you want me to go through them? No, because you don't know what you're talking about. Bungan? No. Tarometa? No. Long Reef? Definitely not. Curly, north and south. No. Freshy, Queensy. No. Manly Beach. Shelly Beach. Collins Flat. There's nine. I just ran that that was just nine random ones, and they all tick the box. I'm gonna say Shelly Beach in Crowler is better than Shelly Beach in Manly. Ooh. Get I I can't wait to hear people write in, text in, um, you know, page page Schnaz has still got his pager from uh, nineteen ninety two. Um, <laughs> what's your page number again? Uh, it's been so long, I've forgotten what it is. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I can't wait to hear because we've got people that um, listen to the podcast from both sides of the bridge. I pretty much, our our listenership is exclusive to the beaches. What's uh, and what's... the win and the winner gets to play the eastern suburbs in the beach off next week. <laughs> what's your um, uh, disgrace? What's your disgrace of a club? Who are they playing twice? Who have you got? I believe Dragons. we're playing. Your disgraceful club twice. The Sharkies Ooh. at Cogra, maybe. It wouldn't have to be Cogra, wouldn't it? Aren't they going to just play at two central grounds? Isn't that still happening? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. It's going to be like Cluedo. It's like uh, Dragons and the Sharkies with the candlestick at Leichhardt. <laughs> it's it's going to be just some random shit in the draw. But uh, this is what we've got. So yeah. Dragons fans... Um, Look away now. <laughs> Sharks, <laughs> Roosters, Eels, Tigers, Raiders. So we've got Ooh. the grand finalists from last year. We've got the Eels. We've got uh, ninth. Well, we've got ninth place West Tigers, which is okay. Um, the perennial ninth places. Sorry, Tigers fans. I had to say. And the Sharkies. All right. So and that's. A, I, I think that's a fairly tough one. Um, and Sharkies. My disgraceful club yeah. before. Yeah. Dragons. Um, Anthony Dons um, and his three degrees with the Titans. You've yep. got the Newcastle Knights, the Ooh. North Queensland Cowboys, Ooh, Val. and the man- and as mentioned, the Manly Seagulls. So tough, tough dude. Michael Bublé is there for both clubs. I think it's going to be it's going to be tough. Looking like the roost. How's the Roosters? This is a tough one. Bunnies, Dragons. Broncos, Raiders, Storms, mm. the mm. Albury Storms. Mm. Um, that'll be that'll be that'll be hostile if it's at Albury. <laughs> Get out of here! Why are you playing on our field? I thought we voted five to four that he wouldn't be on the field. Did you see? I think I saw it on your show, Brooks. Go to Wodonga. <laughs> How far is Wodonga? It's close, right? Albury Wodonga. Like, what's the story there? Yeah, it's like Foster Tongue Curry. Right. It's like a, there's right. a river, like the Murray River. The 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 Great Murray yeah. divides both cities and states. On on uh, on yeah, your so, show, Brooksy, on your show, I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw a Zoom meeting 
of when they voted on it. Did you see that? It was like nine characters from the Albury Council or something. <laughs> oh, God, aren't they characters too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's just hilarious. I love it. Like, Tamworth were like 9-0. I don't know. Yeah, just get them in. Someone <laughs> give them a guitar. So, yeah, I know they're good on the guitars, or, you know, bring a bit of, bit of music flair to the town. Dale Finucane. Well, no, no worries. I know. But yeah, but, I'm sure. You know. I'm sure Dale's been up there for a, <laughs> for a golden guitar or two. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I was talking about. That, that's <laughs> no, a- the um, the Aubrey. Yeah, the, the, I don't know, mate. Like seriously, there was Wodongas. It's like a Foster Tongue Curry sort of situation. Yeah, um, bit like uh, the Tweed River as well. Like, okay, like there's Tweed Heads. Yeah, and um, and cool and All right, Brooksy. Well, there's a lot more. How good's that? There's What's lots... your favourite river in Australia, Schnaz? Uh, <laughs> not the Georges. Little river band? Oh. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. You definitely beat us in the river stakes. We've just got lagoons on the northern beaches. Yeah. So, one, one nil. Shire, well done. Early win against Manly. You say this, but you live in the eastern suburbs now. I know, but you know, home is where your heart is, or whatever that saying is. How did you uh, spend the morning, Brooksy? Today, yeah. Oh, I went for a walk around um, the eastern suburbs. I did a run up to, as I mentioned before, Watson's Bay yesterday. So the old um, quadriceps and um, hamstrings, bit tight. I know, um, I know, I know the area well. It's a very nice area. Yeah, it's it's great. Got, went up went up to the Gap and had a look, and uh, went down to Watson's Bay and did the run along New South Head Road. It's gorgeous up there. Looking back towards the city, sure is. Uh, Brooksy, there's a lot more NRL to, <laughs> to discuss, but I don't really care to do so. Is right there now. anything? Is there anything left? Is there anything we can talk about? Like, what what else can we talk about NRL? Surely, there's one more thing we can talk about. Uh, how will the retirement of Alan Jones from radio affect rugby league? Oh, wasn't that an interesting uh, <laughs> development this morning? <laughs> what was your favourite Alan Jones um, NRL coaching season? Uh, 89, maybe. <laughs> Was it 89 he coached South? Uh, when did he coach South? I don't know. No, he's Tigers, wasn't he? Oh, Tigers. <laughs> Rugby Liam. Oh, yeah. that- he was the Tigers, but he had a South connection. He was heavily involved with getting them back in. My favourite moment of Alan Jones' career, though, was him starting the Cruella Riots. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> he coached, So he coached... So they, he coached the Manly Marlins in 1983. Right. Union. Right. So what... One year stint. He then coached the Wallabies from 84 to 87. Yes. He then uh, went to the Balmain Tigers from 91 to 93. And then he he came out of retirement, um, mind you, a 24-year retirement, to coach the Barbarians in 2017. That's right, yeah. Is he one of the greatest sporting coaches we've never seen? No. Because, yeah, I don't know, like, Balmain sort of was good in 89-90, right? Yeah, they didn't then, do too well under him, I don't think. 
Alan Jones. I think he was. Was it? Didn't he sign like Darren Clark, the sprinter? He's like, no, oh, he's going to be good on the wing, isn't he? <laughs> Can't teach pace. <laughs> it's seven forty-two, and I'm with Darren Clark. <laughs> All these, no, but, um, all, all these years I've known you, I didn't know that your best uh, impersonation. No, it's it's <laughs> amazing. It's a, it's a terrible impersonation. But um, God, just looking, he's had a few defamation cases. Yeah, I think we might uh, wrap the Alan Jones section up here. No, just just a just a just the nine. Um, but yeah, there's other cases like the London incident, incident in '88, <laughs> Cash for Comment affair, Cronulla riots, as you mentioned. Yeah, he had a um, large part in that. Kovco comments, uh, military trial commentary, um, climate change commentary, oh. Jonestown, the book. Now, um, Brooksy, it's his job yeah. to talk about things, yeah. so don't be so harsh on Alan Jones. No, no, I'm just, I'm just reading his Wikipedia page out. I, I've got, I'm not <laughs> saying anything. But yeah, like it, it, it's he's an icon of Australian radio, I guess, particularly in Sydney. I believe, um, uh, I believe his ratings are phenomenal. Yeah, and mm. yeah, I guess he's still going to be on Sky News for those people that um, <clears throat> enjoy his comments, outdated thoughts. So, yeah, <laughs> whatever you think, but uh, yeah, I, I just think um, you know his tenure at Balmain yeah. was probably a good and a bad thing for the Balmain Tigers, but yeah, unfortunately didn't didn't bring the trophy to Leichhardt during his time. No, um, yeah, I guess uh, that is a good way to wrap up what's happening in the NRL. Thank God, uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back after this short little. Space. I feel a draft. Let's change tables. Get out of here. We have a booth. Frank, I'm cold. Order a hot dish. Why can't we sit over there? That's not a booth. So who says we have to sit in a booth? I didn't take the subway all the way to New York to sit at a table like that. All right, guys, it's Brooksy. Welcome back to the League Life Lockdown League Life Pod. Shaz, that was a nice little um, space there that we enjoyed. Yes, everyone enjoyed. Uh, yes, yeah, space. That was a, that was a good word. I loved it, mate. What else I loved last night? There was so much viewing last night for everyone. There was a week a week with Warney that premiered on all Fox Sports channels last <laughs> night. We had we had billions for the people with the stand. Yeah, that's a really good show. Love it, Chaz. Yeah, that was good. Have you been paying attention for the people that um, don't like Foxtel and uh, love their free to air channels? Which seems to be a lot of people uh, if you if you look at Twitter. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. That's and we, yeah. Um, we also had. Can I ask? Can I ask one question? Can I ask one question? Yeah. Was my girl Sarah Harris Just on the that one? show last night? No, I didn't get to watch it. There was too much on. Okay. I was, I'm going to watch it today. Moving on. Um, uh, and obviously, there was The Last Tango, Ooh, yeah. a.k.a. The Last Dance, a.k.a. Save the Last Dance, mm. uh, episodes seven and eight. Yes, yes. Quite possibly the best section of the documentary so far. How good was the opening to episode seven, seven Schnaz? 
And I guess journos would be familiar with this sort of behaviour. Um, you know, the, all the journos would have been in there going, okay, we've got Jerry Krause, we're just going to hammer him with questions, blah, 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 blah. Craig just goes straight for the jugular. Jerry's just like, I don't want any of this. This is ludicrous. I can't believe you've asked me that question. Walks off and one of Craig's fellow journos go, way to go, Craig. Like, it was hilarious. I thought it was a great start. It was punchy. It was funny. It was just like you could tell, like, you know, that obviously Jerry, you know, there's, there was a rift in the team. But, yeah. yeah, like everyone would have had all spent all this time with the presser, like coming up with their questions and what they wanted to write about and bang. It's it's amazing, out. amazing that 25 years later, however long it was, that we get to see that bit of footage now, just that little yeah. out, as an outtake basically. Just and we're like the funny thing is in the NRL and not comparing it, but just just showing you what we go through. We, you know, we've got like we barely can hear the people in the press up. <laughs> yeah. All you can hear is the response. Yeah. So you're just hearing people talking. It's it's improving. We're putting boom mics in and stuff, but like the last few years, you just all you can hear is you got like one microphone angled towards a crowd and one. At the player or the captain, uh, the coach or the captain. Yeah. But yeah, inter- the first episode was interesting. Shaz, we got to see um, the obviously the end of the first uh, three peat. We saw Michael Jordan's uh, father murdered in the July of 1993. Yeah. His retirement, his move to baseball that next January. Um, that was a very emotional start to the. The documentary and something like oh, I was 11 at the time. I uh, remember it, like those main things, like not really hearing too much in between, mm. like Bulls 3P, Jordan retires. Uh, sorry, Jordan's dad dies, Jordan retires, Jordan goes to baseball. Like that sort of, you know, you sort of hear that, um, you hear the main stories, but God, it really filled in the blanks really nicely last night for people that weren't really. Um, across what had happened. Yeah, what did you think of it? It sure did. I'm in that same boat where, as I've said every week, I'm a novice at this uh, sport and industry, but I'm absolutely loving it. I did know some of those things, as you said, but can I ask you one question, Brooksy? The very, you know, unfortunate, distasteful murder of his dad, was that related to anything as far as, like, his identity being Michael Jordan's dad, or was it just a random kind of thing? Well, they reckon it was random, and how bad was like the media like linking it to his gambling and yeah. like just the other side of Jordan off the court? Like, yeah, I just I wasn't sure what the outcome was of that. Yeah, it, it did sound random. No, enough. it was not. Yeah, it was random, and that's what they were saying. They said, you know, it could have been anyone. Yep, could have been anyone at that time. But yeah, like you Sports Illustrated, like touch, like quickly, we'll touch on the baseball here because of the Sports Illustrated article, like just. Mm. Just coming out and saying he's like sort of a disgrace to baseball, like yeah. So, to- so the the, yeah. the the short story, if you are not going to watch it, um, if you are going to watch it, don't listen to the next ten minutes of the show. But uh, Michael Jordan, perhaps the best ever in his sport, uh, is feeling tired. He's feeling disinterested to a to a degree, and he chooses to take up his one of his favorite sports as a kid which he played up until the age of 17 and that was baseball yeah. and he aligned himself with the Chicago team and 
The White Sox. The, the White Sox did all the right things and was actually looking pretty good. He had some unhappy moments for sure, but the press were all over him and it was like they were waiting for him to fall. And that's obviously not something uncommon with yeah. the whole world of media and social media, just people waiting to jump on you for having a go, basically. That, and that's where I, what I took from it too, just the, from what you saw of the media's angle of him going to baseball. Like it was like they weren't even giving him credit to succeed in another sport. Mm. They were actually waiting for him to fail. Yeah, like they, they and they were they were preempting it. Yeah, like we saw Terry Francona on, which was amazing. Like I haven't seen Jordan rides a bus. I was I was um, texting a mate who loves baseball, Jeremy Markham. He's oh, you haven't like watched that? You haven't watched And he, yeah, he said, I, I didn't know until I watched Jordan Rides a Bus. And I was like, oh, shit, I haven't even watched that. Come on. So yeah. I'm going to go watch it. But yeah. it was good, like, little teaser to mm. um, to that. I was like, Frank Cohen was his manager. Mm. And then him saying all this stuff about how, He'd hit over 250 ribbies. Yeah. Like, you know, if he spent more, he was dedicated, you know, he was hit on the on the um, breaking ball machine, just kept constantly, constantly working on his swing, on his hitting. He just, he wanted to succeed. He had that drive in baseball just as much as he had in basketball. And if he spent more time on it, yep. he was a major league prospect. Like, Absolutely. That's, that's crazy. And, like, I, I didn't really, like, you know, because I – hadn't really looked into too much of his baseball career. And to get that sort of kudos from Terry Francona, you know, mm. coach of the uh, manager of the Red Sox, manager of the Indians who had somewhat success. Whew, and that's we, uh, just, we just saw, disappointing to see that he was portrayed differently in the media. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he was asked in more, like in current times, was he offended by the sports illustrated, um, coverage and he said absolutely I was and yeah, he, did, he banned them he yeah. banned them for quite some time and he was quite fair about it because he said they didn't actually come and talk to me they just wrote an opinion yeah. piece if they talked to him yeah. he said his piece then they wrote about it he wouldn't have a problem with it uh, what we also saw was his determination and drive coming through in spades um, and his relationship with his um, his father was such an influence yeah. on, on him that his father wanted him to play baseball at some point. And that was their last conversation, right? Yeah. Like, talking about, so that, um, you know, whether he should go and play baseball. He was, he was thinking about retiring before his father passed away. And that was, a, that was the thing, whether like people perceived it as being, oh, he just wants to get away from basketball. Or there was the conspiracy theory that the NBA suspended him for 18 months mm. and he had to stay away. Mm. And David Stern basically said there was no suspension. No. Yeah, he, there were some things that he did off the court that we didn't necessarily like, but he wasn't suspended. No. Uh, so we couldn't we, suspend him on that. We saw two things, Brooksy, in that period, yeah. I guess, the determination. So when he had some unhappy uh, lower-grade games, for want of a better word, he would then go straight back to the batting practice. They, they talked about how much he practiced baseball yeah. on his own time. And we yep. also saw, so that's the determination side. We also saw the fact that his dad was such an influence on him. Uh, and that got yep. you and I talking before we went on air about, you know, role models in life and that kind of thing. And yep. and if you pick the right one, if you have the right one, if you're fortunate enough to have the right one, it doesn't have to be father-son, yep. obviously, because not everyone has that. But 
just that that uh, I guess older figure in your life. Um, yeah. How important it can be if it goes right, and how important it can yeah. be if it goes wrong. Uh, so I love that aspect of it, and I really love the fact that he's just such a determined uh, sob. I, I, I love that, and that creeps into the the second episode as well, where and the theme throughout the whole series is that he's so tough on everyone in his competitive life. So his teammates, yeah. his coaches, definitely his opposition. Uh, we saw yeah. a couple of guys make it pers- personal with him on the court, something that, <laughs> something that you know, to anyone else probably wouldn't have been that personal, but he was just like, what? Oh, okay, it's on. Even even but even the Le Bradford Smith one, Shaz, exactly. I don't think it was that bad. He just no. like Le Bradford Smith, let look, I've got a couple of his basketball cards, Shaz. Um they're not in a protective case, let's just put it that way. Um him dropping thirty odd points on MJ and then going, Great game, Mike <laughs> just started the kettle boiling. And then oh. sure it's I, I just love the I just love the stories like how that one, like of all teams, like the Bulls were playing the Bullets the next game. It was a home and away. It was back-to-back games. Yeah, you should and have waited. <laughs> Bradford could have just like let it go. And then he, I think he scored 36 points in the first half of the return game. Yeah, he scored. Ended up with 43 or something. He scored as much in half the time. <laughs> That's so good. I didn't know that story, and like I, you know, I try and keep up with um, a lot of the Jordan stuff. But yeah. that was insane. It was so good. I, and then just just seeing like those, like seeing the BJ Armstrong story as well, which was um, the Charlotte in the second round of yeah. this of this final series, and BJ having that awesome game too, and you know celebrating on the court, and he just you know Jordan couldn't really handle that you know you can't it's, it's amazing it's amazing competitiveness it's it's so strong and i i understand it's unique probably to him like it, he seems like the most competitive person in the history of the world whether i'm right or wrong obviously i'm probably wrong but to have that drive and have that guy come back into your team so they talked about his return yeah. to the Bulls, and they interviewed the players, and they were, I think they were having a pretty average season. And then he came back, and they were like, "You know what? We could actually do something here because he's just the best, and he's so competitive." Yeah. And and he talked about how, so Jordan talked about how there were new guys, younger guys, including Luke Longley, on the team, and they'd come into this championship type team. But Jordan was like, "No, I don't think so. You, you're the new guys. We built this." you got to earn my respect. And the way that you earn his respect is that it appears that he trash talks you for like a year and you put up with it and then you've got his respect. Yeah, I love there was a, a – this wasn't verbatim, but Will Perdue, who was one of the, one of his centers um, in that first, first three-peat, um, yep. actually was in the trade for Dennis Rodman. So he went to the Spurs in return for – uh, Rodman. Yeah. He there was a line like where he's like, yeah, he's an asshole, he's a jerk, but he was one hell of a teammate. <laughs> and that's like that. That's him to a T. And it's just like, and it goes back to what MJ was saying before the last dance came out. And he was sort of like, look, I think it's pretty raw. Like this, these documentary series is pretty raw, and it's gonna, I'm gonna come across like an asshole. Mm. And I think that's what people have got to expect. And I think, you know, we he, touched on it he earlier doesn't. on. He doesn't, right? 
I think, I think, yeah, like again, like we all know this sort of side, like a lot of this side of Jordan and the way he behaved on the court. Uh, I, I just think it builds his legend up even more to some of these stories and and I, just the success that he brings. It's you know, it's, it's it got to be circumstantial, Brooksy, because if you yeah. Like we've all, you know, worked with people. You and I have worked with this, probably the same people for a time who, you know, you didn't get along with or they were a jerk or whatever. They weren't on board um, the way everyone else was going sort of thing. Uh, you know, that's in a workplace and we're earning like, you know, 30 bucks an hour, whatever it was. We're not getting a lot out of it except for, you know, experience and a paycheck. If you yeah. put yourself in the Chicago Bulls and – you're on so much money. You've got the fame. You've got the um, the yeah. fancy cars. You've got the experiences of winning these championships, history-making championships. I think you're going to yep. put up with the fact that one of the greatest, if not the greatest player of all time, is ribbing you for a whole session. I yeah. think you're going to put up with it, you know? And definitely for those guys coming in um, in that second three-peat, like they, the success was already there. You know that they, yeah. they were going to the Bulls on the proviso. That you know, they were, well, initially it was Scotty and Tony with the rookie season. Wasn't that great? Uh, getting a bit of insight, but there's people complaining about the timeline going uh. back and forth, and I can't keep up with it. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. I don't know if it's '93 or '83 <laughs> or '97. Like bunch of idiots. Yeah, because because uh, he looks the just, same throughout his whole career, right? Yeah, and and the whole like slow timeline move, whether it's back <laughs> or forth, really confuses me as well. But anyway, I digress on that. Yeah, but it was great going back and seeing that season without uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Tony Kukoc's rookie year, that iconic Kukoc for the win, like that. <laughs> I. I remember, like, back in the day, Schnaz, and it's like you probably get the same way when you wake up of a morning with songs. Yeah. Like they're in your head and you're sort of just humming a beat or something. Yeah. Or, you know, you'd be humming like a riff or something that you've heard or one of Bruce's awesome riffs. But I, back in the day, used to do commentary. It was in my head. (laughs) And I'd wake up like there was um, Kukoc for the win. There was some Sean, like, Pete into the rain, man. Like, I used to have those Kevin Calabro calls, like, oh, my goodness, he punched that ticket and went on his way. Like, had all (laughs) these, like, sort of things from watching NBA Jam and NBA Jam Session and Super Slams of the NBA and all those sort of NBA action shows. And it was just, like, reliving that that series against the Knicks was so good, that Pippen just... that dunk on Ewing. No wonder he's not watching the documentary. He's just like, he's in like every episode getting dunked on by MJ or Scotty or losing. They lost in the playoffs five times to the Bulls. And then that was the only one that they beat them. And it was without Jordan. They ended up losing to the Rockets that, um, that yeah. year in the finals without MJ. But that series had a massive fight in it um, with Jojo English, who was on the Bulls roster. But, yeah, it was good to see and give a bit of context as how the team grew without MJ in that season. Like the triangle offense really suited Pippen being the leader and being a distributor. And you saw that sequence where it bounced around and finished with a Bill Winnington dunk. It was awesome. And what about Pippen sitting out that part of the the end game because he got the poos because the other fellow was going to take the shot? That was unbelievable. 
And then he he doubled down and went, I'd do it all again. Yeah, so if so, I t- if I had my time over it, oh, Scotty Scotty Pippen, I, I don't know a lot about him before watching this. Yeah. I he's, I definitely recognize him, I know his work, but I did never studied the guy. And he's a pretty complex guy when you when you listen yeah. to him talk because he's so chilled and his his emotions are very behind a wall, but what he says is very articulate. And so I thought he yeah. was gonna say, you know, I've learned from this, which I think he sort of did. But then, yeah, he yeah. just went, "Oh, I'd do it again." I was like, "Whoa!" And that's and you saw the vision of yeah, sorry, you saw the vision of B- Bill Cartwright like talking to him, and yeah. then afterwards you hear he got emotional and said, "We need you, Scotty." Yeah, like that, and, and it's sort of like what jo- and and what I got from that is like Jordan instilled this sort of culture in that Bulls locker room. We saw. The, what was it, the cocaine cowboys or whatever it was when he first got to the Bulls. They, yep. We saw the Swarm, the um, the futsal team or whoever it was out, the swarm, out yeah. packing, the, packing the stadium. Yeah. And then you've got this moment where they're, in, they're, they're vying for a spot in the NBA finals without MJ and their star wasn't going into the game because he wasn't getting the final shot. And it was just like, damn, like that team, that team was good, but I don't know if it should have got that far. Like, yeah. Tony's a talent. Scotty was playing out of his skin, but the, well, the leader of the team was refusing to go into the game because he wasn't going to shoot that last shot. Who knows if they closed out Tony, he could have been the next in line for that next shot. Yeah. So, so think of it like this, Nat. It's like the defense could have, oh, like, could have yeah. sent two people to Tony Kukoc knowing yeah. that, um, Scotty wasn't in. Yeah. Um, they, so the fact he made never, the shot too is just incredible. Like, like when when Jordan was dribbling down court against Phoenix, there was the play wasn't necessarily to get the ball to John Paxton out on the wing. It eventually went there. Barkley overplayed Scotty. The ball went into Scotty. He used the two-on-one to get it to Horace. Horace kicks it back out. Like, that was just a fluent play. That mm. could have happened on the play too, and that's where I don't agree with Scotty. He should have still been out there because he could have demanded a double team. He could have done something off the ball that could have created a better opportunity than a fadeaway Tony Kukoc too. And great that it went in, and it's an iconic shot. But, mate, that I, I thought it was terrible form, I think. And basketball is the sort of thing where if you can be on the court and create a diversion, particularly being the star. And the Knicks would have put their best defender on Scotty mm. if he was in the game. But mm. as Ewing said, he was like, Scotty's not coming back in the game. Yeah. It was bizarre. Like, that was bizarre. It was big language. And that's like, you know, who knows? If he's on the court and they still get the win, does, how does the series play out? It's a sliding doors moment there. He could have won it. He could have potentially gone to play for a title without MJ. Like that's crazy, but anyway, like that's that's history, revisionist history, and looking back on those sort of moments. But sorry, I just got all nerdy basketball there for about five minutes. There, we, we saw. That's um, why I love it. It's so good. I know I love it too. I, I, and I, as I keep saying, I'm a novice, but I, I, you don't have to like basketball to watch this. We can't emphasize, emphasize that enough. Uh, we, we saw Jordan uh, come yeah. back, and there was a pivotal game which happened to be on Father's Day and that was the the 
NBA Finals, Game 6 against my Sonics. Against your Sonics, yeah. I finally got to see your Sonics in action. And uh, Father's Day, his father had passed away. I believe it was the first Father's Day since his death. And, you know, it felt like the whole world was kind of watching how he was going to react. And he was pretty emotional before, during and after. And there's a final scene of the show, of the episode. Uh, and he's in the dressing room on the ground uh, sobbing and, and crying. And it's everything. It's the win. It's his father not being there. It is, it is vision that you would be very hard-pressed to find in any sport around the world. Yeah. Uh, both episodes had some great finishes, and we saw that in the last step of, uh, last step last of yesterday's shows. Uh, him on the ground. like I, Yeah, a lot of people were saying they hadn't heard that. They've only seen the vision. And just that sobbing and the guy like awkwardly with the towel, yeah. like just Yeah, which was beautiful. Because it just no but, it, it, it was shocking. Have... I was I was yeah. shocked. I was I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I mean I understood yeah. it, but I couldn't believe yeah. A that I was seeing it and B, yeah, this is Michael Jordan and, and, and he's an emotional guy, but he's not emotional like that. Like we don't see those yeah. sort of emotions. We we see anger, we see determination, we see skill. Yeah. We see uh, family, but we don't see that kind of uh, vulnerability. And for him to have that yeah. included as well, I think is a big call. As well. like, like good on him. And that's the great thing about what they're doing. They're just sh- showing everything. Like it's mm. just, I, I, yeah. Like we haven't had like in depth sort of like the whole time. We're behind the scenes. We're seeing footage that we haven't seen before. There is a lot of it is stuff we've seen, but that sort of stuff's just adding to uh, the experience of what it is like as Michael Jordan. And that it's just unbelievable. He had probably his worst of the six finals against the Sonics, and a lot of it stemmed from coming back, his first season, full season back, yeah. um, you know, his father. Like, he, got, he, he discounts Gary Payton, but GP, the glove, he's just... <laughs> <laughs> He's just something else. He was defensive player of the year. Yeah. Just a, a real pest. Like, not only with his hands, but verbally. He's someone that could go at it with Mike, um, you know, in the trash talk stakes. Like, and I saw it, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast when um, he, MJ won the MVP of the All Star game. You see Peyton in the background, and he's holding court, and he's just talking to all the other All Stars. Whilst MJ is getting the trophy and he's got everyone in in stitches, like just laughing, he was just that. And you got that vibe. I I don't know. Did you get that vibe from him in his interviews? Like, yeah, he's just like swearing and just like a real pest. Like yeah. even just pestering. And Jordan's like laughing, watching the iPad. And ah, the glove. I, I had no issues with the glove. But yeah, and there was a, other things obviously that was playing its part. They were up three 0 in the series. They dropped a couple of the last two games in Seattle. Yeah. So there would have been a bit of stress, like coming back. We saw in the Phoenix series where they were up and they lost game five, and Barkley was like, "No, we're going back to Phoenix. You know, take everything down off your windows." <laughs> um, you know, there is a bit of pressure. We saw it with the Warriors recently against the Cavs, up 3-1. Draymond Green gets suspended and the Cavs come back and win the series in seven. Like, you want to just sign off on those series and mm. it would have been some added pressure there after being 3-0 up. Like, no one's ever come back from 3-0 down and 
for the Sonics to win two games, and some of them, uh, one of the games was quite twenty-one points. Yeah, he was he was definitely struggling. Now, Brooksy, there's two episodes yeah. left. Is that right? Yeah, there is. Um, how how are you going to deal with the series being over? Well, it's good that it's on Netflix. I, I might um, watch it all again when it's done, <laughs> but. I, it's going to be good. Like it'll be the two Utah seasons. So they play Utah in back-to-back finals. Um, the what? So ninety-five, ninety-six. Uh, sorry, ninety-six, ninety-seven. After the Sonics uh, final series, and then obviously the last season, the last yep. final series. Yep. It's going to be good. We're going to get a bit of insight into Carmeline, John Stockton, the Utah team. Uh, Jerry Sloan hopefully makes an appearance. He was a Bulls legend as a player and a coach as well before going to Utah. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be a great finale. I can't wait for it. Like the last two, I think the big takeaway for me, Shaz, and what I really enjoyed about these last two was the the battle between whether you can be the nice guy and succeed. Mm. And did you get that feeling like through that episode seven and that finish where he just like delivered that emotional line where it's like, this is, I, I wanted them to, you know, yeah, I, I didn't have expectations exceed. I didn't have these exceeding expectations of them. I just wanted to, you know, meet my expectations and just, Oh, I mean, I, I under- he was so driven and I understood. What do you it think? I, like, I, I think that he was being unrealistic given how determined and competitive and talented he is. Like, no one could live up to that. But I love the fact that he wanted them to at least try and try and be as good and try and be as competitive. Yeah. And, and I think it's important. Do I think nice guys can get the job done? They, actually, they absolutely can. It depends on the environment and it depends on the job that you're talking about. But, I mean, you know, I think about the workplace, so say not in yeah. the basketball workplace, but just say an office environment or or. Uh, a workplace where there's a team leader, a boss, you know, you can't be a nice guy, but I think if you're an idiot or if you're problematic in the way you deal with people, I don't think yeah. you're going to, like you might succeed, but you will have a very different team and a big amount of turnover. Whereas I think you can be a nice guy and still have strong morals, strong, strong ethics, strong principles, uh, and and run a tight ship. Yeah. So that's that's where I sort of lean towards. And as far as I mean, you look at coaching, uh, especially in something we love like the NRL. Can you be a nice guy? Like you know, John Morris. Uh, John Morris is he too nice? Well, he's a nice guy, but you know, we he had a pretty good debut season as a coach. Uh, yeah. And as far as a player goes, and that kind of thing. I think you got to have a, a sporting player. I think you do need to have that edge to you. I do think that a Michael, a Michael yeah. Jordan and Andrew Johns, uh, insert, you know, Wayne Gretzky, insert all these greats that you want to insert. You do, you can be nice, absolutely, but you got to have that edge to you. It seems like you see with those championship teams, like even you see Kobe, Kobe was like that. Kobe was always wanting the best out of his team. He, mm. he pretty much, you know, emulated his game on MJ. You know, yeah. we saw that last last week. You see Belichick and Brady, like they're always, you see 
Like that Atlanta Super Bowl, Brady just up and down the sideline, just giving it. A lot of people would have been 25 points down, holding up the white flag, but he was like, no, opportunity, opportunity. They're going to do this. We're going to give it to them. They're going to do that. We're going to give it to them. it, it doesn't. Like they uh, didn't stop. They didn't like the, the against the Seahawks. Like you know, yeah. that was more Pete Carroll. But yeah. like you know, they kept playing. They keep putting themselves in a position to win to succeed. The competitive juices keep flowing, yeah. and that's where in competition schnaz. And this is something that I got out of it. I was like, yeah, you have to stand on some people's throats to to succeed. You can do it yeah. in a respectful way. Yep, absolutely. But you can't look back and be apologised for wanting to succeed sometimes. And I look, I having come from an HR background and stuff, I sort of like to, you know, do the right thing by people. You know, I like communications key, like mm. um, honesty's key in the workplace, and you know, like being able to. I see that's what I see as success in the workplace. Yeah, and. But then you see like what Jordan does and, and, and it sort of it challenges some of those, I guess, ideas. I, th- I think but at the, the same the, time, he's, yeah. The stakes, Sorry, the stakes are a lot bigger though, Brooksy. I think that's where it does become yeah. circumstantial because if I was working yeah. 20 bucks an hour somewhere and someone rode me like that, I'd probably be like, <laughs> yeah, I'll go down the road and work for 20 bucks an hour. You know of what I mean? course. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. But you're, you, you, you're correct. And I think about the music industry and I think about, um, how seriously I take music, how seriously I take my music that I create. And if you do it half-assed, if you do it a bit wishy-washy, you're never going to be, you're never going to reach the potential that you are able to reach, but you're also just not going to be taken that seriously. And I know when I go see a band or an act or whatever, if they're giving me everything they got, and they're not my thing or they're not that good yet or whatever, I will still walk away going, you know what, they, they, they're they trying. They're, they've got something yeah. going on and in a year or two, good they potential. might be, yeah. But if I go see a band and they're, they're mucking around, they're trying to impress their mates and like, which is fine, of course. But at this stage in my life, it's like, well, I've always been that way, but it's just like, what am I doing here? Am I, am I wasting my time here? I could go watch another band. I could go play some music on my own. And I know when I have band practice, for example, with with my band, and my band rotates a little bit as far as members go, they kind of know that they're that we're on the watch and we're on the clock. And um, you know, I'm not really mucking around here. I don't really like practicing music. I like playing music. So the fact that I'm here with you guys and we're practicing my songs, you better give yep. me everything you got. Otherwise, you know, it's and I, and I think about music and sport and and don't get me wrong, music and art they're not competitive in the sense of a sporting achievement. Like I'm not saying that I strive to be a bigger artist than, you know, Josh Pike or insert some other Sydney singer songwriter. I don't look at it that way at all, but I want those guys. I want Ben Lee to respect what I do. You know, mm-hmm. I know that he doesn't give a rats that I sell 10 records and he sells 10,000. Like he doesn't care about that. And I don't care about that in the sense that, I really love what he does and he's really respectful to me about my music and you know what I mean? Like, but there is that competitive yeah. drive. It's not about who's bigger or who's better, but there's a drive that you want to have the respect and it's all about respect. Same in the workplace where you and I work at Fox, you want that respect. Yep. And 
you have to earn it though. And I and there's a lot behind what Jordan does that makes sense to me. I, I personally don't have it in me to act that way, as in every day on purpose act that way, but it worked, man. He, yeah. he, he made others better around him by driving them in that way that he did. And the titles, yes, yeah. 6-0. and oh. Yeah, six and zero, and you saw with BJ Armstrong when he was going against Michael. He, everyone was like, "Whoa, where do you think he got that mentality from? Why he wanted to succeed against the Bulls because he just got out of that environment like, yeah. a couple of seasons prior, and he stood up and he played well, and they were just like, he got got the, got the Hornets a win in Chicago because he probably watched MJ and just go, I can do this, I can go up." against him, yeah. like giving him confidence. It was great to see, even though he was doing it for another club. I, it was a great two episodes and looking forward to the last two next week. I bet you um, are, Brooksy. Yeah, I had a nice steak and wine and I was, was wondering, so good. I was wondering what, yeah. you, what you made up. So steak Sir and wine. Okay. Some broccoli. I had, yeah, I had a little like garlic and red wine sauce for the, the steak. It was beautiful. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. What should I do next week, Shannon? It's good. you got to have some entrees. You're going to have to have dessert. Uh, yeah. I, I would suggest having a whiskey afterwards in dedication to the oh, great man. Definitely. Uh, Brooksy, yeah. we're, we're going to go take some space now and come back and talk yeah. about someone <laughs> very important in our lives. So stick around. We'll be back very shortly after this space. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rain blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A festivus for the rest of us. So, Brooksy, we had some sad news come through last night for those people who are listening yeah. fresh today. And that is that the very great actor, entertainer, comedian Jerry Stiller passed away, age 92. His son, great innings. Great innings. His son, Ben, tweeted, uh, I think around six or seven o'clock our time last night, uh, saying that, it, you know, sad news and, and he died of natural causes. And yeah. for those people who don't know, Jerry Stiller, he was his, his best claim to fame in a long career of work was as Frank Costanza on the show Seinfeld, which Brooks and I absolutely adore. And it's fair to say that. Even though he wasn't one of the main four characters, he's definitely a star of the show and and someone that people just absolutely love. Yeah, he he was one of those side characters in Seinfeld that uh, just made like really made the show. Like, yeah, it's good you have the four mainstays, but George's dad, Frank Costanza, like some of the great lines of the show, some of the great. Like iconic things out of the show have come from him. Festivus, Serenity, Serenity now. now. Like there's a few things that just mm. will uh, live forever. Um, and you know, Festivus has become part of the hipster calendar every year, which is great. Um, everyone's getting metal poles and putting them up in there. It's so hipsterish, isn't it? It's like, hey, you know what, man? We should just go get one of those metal poles and do Festivus. Like the trees, we don't come down the trees, like. This is like a metal pole. This is twenty five years after the fact. Yeah, there's like you know, there's those um, Christmas stores like yeah. in random 
Lots like Alexandria. There's yep. like a Festivus store right in the middle of Newtown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where you get your metal poles. Um, but yeah, airing of grievances, isn't that like a great part of Festivus? But yeah. Shaz, what were some of your favourite uh, Frank Costanza moments? Well, uh, two episodes come to mind. They're, they're slightly yeah. off kilter from probably everyone else's favourites. And that is two episodes you actually start in and... And uh, they both involved his time in Korea, I believe. And yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the first one uh, is when he hooks up with his old Korean girlfriend. And that's the, the stop short uh, episode. Yeah. I really love that. And he thinks it's all going to be, you know, they're back in the romance and she's a lovely girl and it's been so long and they're back together because he and Estella were separated at that point. And he stopped short. That's his move, but uh, yeah, the 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 girlfriend didn't like it. That's an amazing episode, and the other one I love, which was just so out there, is when Frank returns to cooking. So uh, Kramer is hosting a, a Jewish singles night for for, for Jewish singles, <laughs> and he can't quite cover the uh, cooking aspect. And it's been revealed that um, George's dad, Frank, used to be a cook in the war. <laughs> and a really great cook, and he took it very seriously, and they showed flashbacks and that kind of thing. And uh, that's a fantastic episode, really. That, they're they're my two favourites. Uh, remember they play that music from one of those war movies? Yeah. It's like a death scene, yeah. and he's just looking around at everyone with the food poisoning. <laughs> it's so good. Hey, but remember Schnaz? Yeah. I, thought, I thought I'd throw this one out. He wasn't actually the initial Frank Costanza. No, he wasn't. John, he? So there was an episode, the handicap spot. The remember? Wheelchair, yeah. And yeah, and, and he, um, he was Frank a pretty Costanza, He was a pretty cool guy. That guy, John Randolph, yeah. featured in one episode, and then they did the change. I'd love to hear from Larry or Jerry as to the reasons why they changed because. Hey, it was a it was a massive call, and it, it definitely paid dividends. I can't. If you, like, I remember John Randolph. He was, and I was like, he was a lot older. He couldn't have done. He couldn't have done all that stuff. No, no. Yeah, he couldn't. Have, he was a lot imagine? older. If he wasn't a lot older, he looked a lot older than yeah. than Jerry Stiller. Uh, and he was yeah. good in that episode. He was good. And there were some he traits played that a bit he straight, wasn't he? He yeah. was a lot straighter, but there were the traits like the slap of the the head, the palm slap on the head kind of thing. Um, <laughs> That's all right. And he was good, but there's no way you could even compare it to Jerry Stiller. And obviously, there there is a story. I can't. I'm not. I don't know it off the top of my head to say it now on the podcast. But there's a story. There's a a clip of how they cast Jerry, and I think they originally wanted Jerry, or he wasn't available. Then he became available. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. What's what's some of your favorites, Brooksy? I love like there's a I think it's the same episode. Um it seems like it is. Um when I oh, no, I don't think it is actually. He's just running his battle with George Steinbrenner <laughs> where he's on the couch at home and Steinbrenner's come over. It's when George um, is dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it is the same episode because okay, I'll start with the first thing. That the answering mach- machine message on Jerry's answering machine was amazing. It's like, hi Jerry, it's Frank Costanza. I, I think I'm with Steinbrenner. George is dead. Call me back. Or something like that. <laughs> Which I have and used I on. I've used on your voicemail a few times, and I've done it on yours as well. 
I, I schnaz, it's Brooksy. George is dead. Call me back. <laughs> it's just like, it's such a good one, like, just to throw in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was amazing. Like, just Jerry walking over and playing it. Yeah. And, and, um, and then him later in the episode, I think it is, where uh, Steinbrenner's over at the Costanzas. He's on the couch and he's like, I'm talking and he's just talking and Frank just comes out with the whole, why did you trade Jay Buner? You have 50 ribbies. Oh, my God, a rocket for an arm. Just, I don't know what the hell you're doing. Oh, so good. And he does the, I notice when you watch, watch him, he mm. does the look away really well. It's like he delivers his line, but like he's just as if he, He's just, he's like saying something normally. He's so crazy that he's just like, he's just looking away. Like he's distracted by something else or just, you know, I thought the way he delivered those big lines was amazing. I love, love that. I remember there was the, remember when he's with the Rosses um, and he's at the table. I'm glad you mentioned it. You got the hen, the chicken and the rooster. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good line. That one. And he's like, "Who's having sex with the hen?" Yeah. And he's like, "Well, the rooster is as well." And he's like, "Oh, that's perverse." <laughs> that's the Marble Rye episode. One of the greats. Brooksy's lost the it. Marble Rye, and and there's the dancing like in the bro and the Manzir one. Yeah, when Estelle I mean, walks in, I mean, he 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 became such a integral part of that show. As yeah. did all sets of, like, both sets of parents, George's and Jerry's. Like, Jerry's, you can't yeah. underestimate their effect as well. But, yeah. but yeah, Frank really does steal the show many, many times. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, he did a lot <laughs> of work. This was this was probably, what, his second last gig. He did um, Kings of Queens after it. But, yeah. you know, the, he... You don't know how I feel about it. Um, no, no, we all, know, we all feel... Guy, whatever his name is. We oh. all feel the same about Kings of Queens. But... Uh, but what I'm saying is he had that long career before Seinfeld of things that we didn't yeah. probably see. I mean, he's in, in a lot of films. You see cameos of him. Uh, he was married to his Maury wife. Ballstein. Maury yes. Ballstein. Balls models in Zoolander. Zoolander, it's of a casserole. It's a casserole, Sheila. It'll keep. Remember, he's on the... Yeah. He's on the call during the last scene. Yeah, so you got the Stillers, Ben and Jerry together. Uh, he was married to his yeah. wife for, uh, I think it was 60 plus years. Uh, and well, she, she yeah. was a really, really uh, respected entertainer and, and yeah. comedian, actress. And I don't know if you remember, but I think it was after Seinfeld. Well, it was definitely after Seinfeld finished. But there was a online, basically short, you know, show and it was the two of them. Were they in bed reading the paper or something? I have a vague memory of it. And it was very, very funny stuff. And they were inseparable for 60 years. And she passed away, yeah. I, I think, five years ago or so. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah. so, yeah. 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 2015. Real, real family man. Um, very much loved by the cast. I, I mean, we saw, I don't know if you saw it, Brooksy, but uh, it was earlier. No, it was late last week that Julia Louis Dreyfus and and uh, Jason Alexander, Jason Alexander yeah. did did like a, a Zoom Instagram catch up thing yep. for an hour, just spitballing about two episodes. But then, just in general, it was phenomenal. And they talked about yeah. Jerry a little bit, and 
Uh, <laughs> they talked about Elaine's dad, who was that was a, that was remarkable, but uh, he was very what very did, well. What was that? Uh, we had a funny guy in Nam. It blew his brains out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know the story about that actor? Like supposedly he was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And they were sort of like, oh, keeping yeah. a distance from him the whole episode. Yes, yeah, so that was that was revealed in that interview. It was remarkable. Yeah. If you're a Seinfeld fan and you haven't seen it, just just Google it. It happened last week yeah. um, between George and, and Julia, so yeah. to speak. And, and the, yeah, the revelation about Elaine's dad, the character, in the one episode is remarkable. Yeah. The, I just, like, there's so much to just, like, talking about him. I was thinking about, remember... With it, he's got the toothpick and he's like, I think George was going <laughs> yeah. to get the job as a bra salesman. He's like, Remarkable. So you know, he's got the toothpick. He's like, you know about the cup sizes? Uh, I know about the cup there's, sizes. There's B, there's C, and, and D. That's the biggest. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then when, like, that running battle with the, the Seinfelds, like yeah. Woody and Helen. There was be like, all over those shuffleboards. Yeah, we were going to lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. So, I mean, in in the spaces we've had in this episode, Brooksy, our audience yeah. who may not, for whatever reason, have heard these lines, have been hearing these lines. So they're catching yeah. up now with what we're talking about and that we're going to run a few after this. But uh, he was just yeah. integral. And, and it's it's sad news. I mean, he had a you know good long life, which is fantastic, and... But it's always sad, just someone passing away that you admire and that you love. And he gave us so much joy and entertainment. And and yeah. even to this day, like, it's just, just uh, obviously you and I love that show. And yeah, and he, as we've said, he's integral as pretty much anyone that, on the show. Yeah, Frank Costanza, he'll just live on forever. Yeah. Absolutely. Such, such an amazing character, one of the best dad characters in any TV show. Yep. Mate, it, it's it's a sad day, but, you know, he's, his career has been absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Brooksy. We're going to uh, go, out, go out on that high note and uh, we'll be back very soon, I would imagine, for some Next more. Next week we'll potting. be... We'll be within two weeks of um, liftoff of Project Apollo, Operation Apollo. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get Tom Hanks, Gary Sinise. I don't know who else is in the Apollo movies, but we'll, uh, yeah, we've got it. Oh, maybe that's Forrest Gump. Maybe I'm, is that, was Gary Sinise in both Apollo 13 and Forrest Gump? Good character. He's definitely Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. Are, are they going to run through a banner of Wayne Pierce or something? Like, what? how are we going to kick this off? Oh, I reckon, yeah. Or should I Wayne Pierce run out first, maybe? Do, can they, like, I don't know. Do we do some sort of NASA-esque, like, sort of thing to start the season where, you know, the players, like, walk down, like, Cape Canaveral style, like, you know, do a little wave before kickoff? I don't know. See, I'm not one of those NASA nerds, but... um I think it's Cape Canaveral. It is, know. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not one of those nerds, but I know yeah. a bit about it. And um, no, we're not going to do that. But I think that uh, we need to maybe a Valandis kind of banner they run through or something. Or I'm, I see yeah, a banner. Maybe. I see a banner in this circumstance. Do you reckon? Um, do you reckon they do a bit of a compilation of the best banners? We love, I, you know, you've got the. 
the Collingwood one that fell apart before the grand final they lost. Um, you've got the Long Beach, <laughs> you've got the Peter Sterling in Long Beach, California. Um, wasn't there a Sharkies one where it was like? I, remember, I, just I think remember, so. Like, yeah, yeah. Was it John Morris? I don't know. It was John one of, Morris three hundred, yeah. maybe someone. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those ones. I don't know. It was like it was sort of like, or was it Gal? Like it was sort of just. Um, <laughs> I remember it happened. I remember it happened, and ever since the Sharkies have done it with this. Oh, my mic's gone. With the split in the middle, and it's you just touch it and it yeah. breaks, which is genius. Yeah, well, I, I think Luke Lewis had one of those. I was there going, "That's pre-ripped." Come yeah. on, you got it. You got it. You can't pre-rip them. You got to. You got to rip them at the time. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting closer though. We're getting closer. I know. Lift off is soon. I can't wait. Sharky's Dragons likely first round back, I reckon. Why do you say that? Oh, it'd have to be, wouldn't it? Well, if they're going to play them twice, maybe. Yeah. Get get your boy, get get the Dragons an early win. And well, if it is, I think we mentioned this last week when we were um, talking about the draw. Like, mm. one of us is going to be 0 3. Yeah. Owen. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Probably you guys. Oh, yeah, no, good chance. Anyway, uh, (laughs) mate, it's been great. Been been a long one. Yeah. Been a lengthy one. I'm 55 now. Yeah, well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you. You'll be able to access your super shortly. So, yeah, but thanks for that, Schnaz. Um, Yeah, wait, you usually do the sign-off. Sorry. You go for it. You do it. I'm stealing your babies now. (laughs) <laughs> That's a Seinfeld reference for all you guys. Uh, Brooksy, we will see you later. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We're on social media. <laughs> I don't know what our handle is. We are, is, but... aren't we? At, at League Life NRL. There you go. You can get us on MySpace, Twitter, Facebook. Um, what was the other one that you uh, – Instagrams? Um, Schnaz's TikTok. Schnaz – Yeah. Schnaz – uh, Schnaz 65 or 69 I don't know which number it is but yeah some good dance moves on that yeah um, if you're playing at home I, I, I actually Schnaz I wouldn't mind you doing some um, gym movements a lot of people have started doing um, their workout plans on social media I'd like to see what you uh, do to keep those calves nice and tight over the I, up I, down months I, I do have uh a schedule for my calves, actually. Now you say it, so I could probably do that. Yeah. Not much else going on, yeah. but I do have a bit of, a bit of lower body issues. Bit so. of... <laughs> I do. So you know, it. there's there's something going on. I'm turning those cankles into calves in no time. <laughs> That's not really a weight issue, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love the cankle. Like it's just it's such a good uh, little. <laughs> Merging like it's it's like Brangelina. Is like, it? You know, it just works. Is it offensive though? If you got one, is it offensive? I don't know. I, or are you I saying it's kind of cute? It. It's kind of one cute. of my mates, Brian uh, Tim Sheens's uh, nephew. Yeah. Um, he had a, had the nickname the Kank going for a while. Really, he had some nice cankles. I think it was it was a self prescribed nickname. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> Uh, Brian, you're listening. Just um, write in, and we'll confirm next episode whether you gave yourself that nickname. The or you can you um, can tweet him at Cankles and, and take a photo of your Cankles while you're at it, mate. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. On that note, Brooks. <laughs> anyway, no, thanks. Thanks for the memory, Shanaz. Thank you. This will be one that I'll have forever. Uh, we will see you, see you later. Marcus, bye for now, mate. I'm sitting at home reading a periodical and this is the call I get. My son is a bootlegger. Ow. Who put you up to this? Was it her? All right, wait a minute. I think you've got it backwards. My George isn't clever enough to hatch a scheme like this. You got that right. What the hell does that mean? That means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You're saying you want a piece of me? I could drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it!